there's a stark difference between what we would like the world to be like and what it is. There's a big difference bet- between the way we would like to see people treat each other and the way they do. Maybe in your life, there's a difference in what you thought he would be like or she would be like after you got married and what they're really like. You know, in the world, the, the ideal is friendship, of friendship is commitment. But then there's the reality of betrayal. The ideal that people love each other and treat each other in a right way, that treat each other with respect. And then there's the reality that people just don't do that. Maybe you sit here today being, having been hurt deeply by someone, having been betrayed by someone, having your life turned completely upside down. Maybe someone you love did things to you you could not even imagine before it happened. And then we read Jesus challenging us, challenging us to love people who mean to do us harm. Perhaps one of the most difficult things Jesus ever asked his followers to do was to love people who don't love them. In fact, to love people who are our enemies. How in the world do I love and pray for someone whose intent is to harm me? How do I love and pray for someone who has harmed somebody that I love? It seems to be impossible. You might be thinking today, well, I don't have any enemies. Trust me, there's somebody that can't stand you somewhere. And I know there's people that you can't stand. Everybody's got enemies. Batman's got the Joker and Penguin and Catwoman and all all those people that hate him. Superman's got Lex Luthor. The Roadrunner has Coyote. For me, my first enemy was in elementary school and his name was Robert. And Robert used to always take this certain toy of mine, because I went to a very small school, very small town. You could actually bring your toys to school. And when I would take mine to play with during recess, he would take it. And it was one of those wind-up, evil Knievel uh, motorcycle little deals. Who's it? Come on, guys, admit it. All right, we know who's over 40 now, because we had one of those. and Wind that thing up and let it go. It was just a blast. I don't know. It, was, it wasn't electronic. It was just mechanical. And anyway, hours and hours of fun. But Robert would take it away from me. Until I finally had enough. And after that one confrontation, he never took my evil, can evil, wind-up motorcycle away from me again. In fact, he walked around me with a lot more respect. But if, if I would have heard that Jesus said, you're supposed to love him, I would have thought, there's no way. There's no way I can love somebody who is constantly mistreating me, who is constantly trying to harm me and constantly hurting me. Well, that's what the Bible says people who follow God are supposed to do. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles uh, right now. The ushers would, uh, down at Six Forks, uh, bring the Bibles down. And up here at Wakefield, if you just bring those down, raise your hand. If you don't have one, uh, 
they'll give you one. It's yours to keep. We want everybody in here to have a Bible in their hand and follow along today, or you can read on the screen. We believe the words in that book can reveal to you what it means to have a relationship with God. The story I want to tell you today, the hard saying of Jesus I want to talk about today is found in in the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament in chapter 5. Jesus had been going around teaching. He'd been going around saying some challenging things, performing some miracles, and he was attracting a lot of attention. A lot of people were following him. A lot of people were asking him questions. A lot of people were bringing people to him saying, heal them. A lot of people were questioning his integrity. And it says in Matthew chapter 5 that when he saw crowds following him, he sat down and began to teach. It's what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, the largest recorded sayings of Jesus in succession in the New Testament. Jesus is beginning to lay out for these people who are following him around. These Some are religious people, some are Jewish leaders, some are poor people, just these crowds of people. He's beginning to lay out for them what it means to follow him. And he's trying to reveal to them the heart of God. And what he's getting ready to tell them about loving their enemies, he's telling that to a group of people who live in a culture that they're living in a culture that's full of pride, that's full of prejudice, that's full of oppression. And he's telling these people who are, some are racist, racist, some are haters, some are murderers, and he's getting ready to say to them something that will rock their world because their idea of who they're supposed to love is completely upside down. And he says this, beginning in verse 43. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. See, he's telling them this because it's easy to love people who love you. It's very easy... I'm sure for you to love your husband, wife, your kids, when they're just doing things that make you happy, when your friends are doing things for you, when they're serving you, it's easy when people do nice things for you and to you to love them back. When you come up to me in the lobby and pat me on the back and say, nice job, pastor, I'm just thinking, I love you. You're a wonderful person. But, but it's not always that way with people. Some people are a little harder to love. Some people believe their spiritual gift is criticism, that somehow God gave them that, and they're going to make sure the world knows about it. The way some people find fault, you'd think there was a prize at the other end. You know the kind of negative people I'm talking about, the kind that to, when they leave, the room brightens up. You know what I mean? How do you love those kind of people? How do you love people who have hurt you deeply? Not just people that are rude to you and critical, but people who have hurt you deeply. How do you love and pray for them? Because that's what Jesus says to do. Love them, pray for them. By now, most of you already have a person in your mind that you're thinking about. How do you love and pray for that person. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that's, God, if you could possibly send an asteroid to their house. 
and level it while they're in it. Or God, if you could just put boils from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, if you could just, God, please just, you know, let them know what they've done to me. That's not the kind of prayer Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a prayer of blessing. So how do you get to where you can love someone and give a prayer of blessing to someone who either has done you harm or means to do you harm? That's what Jesus is encouraging his hearers and us to do. He's encouraging us to go against our instinct because my instinct, if you slap me, I promise, I'll try not to slap back. But if if somebody hits you, what's your instinct? First thing, I'm protection. I'm going to protect myself. If somebody harms you or says something hurtful to you, the first thing is, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to show you what you, I'm going to show you how it's supposed to be. That's our instinct. For those of you that were around in the early 80s, or if you've seen the news footage of former President Reagan being shot, you'll know that there, there are all these Secret Service guys standing around, the news cameras are running, it's in public, and shots ring out. And when those shots ring out, people, boom, hit the deck, except for the Secret Service agents. They don't hit the deck. They don't duck and cover. They go against their instinct, and they turn and they look in the direction of the shot. It could cost them their life. But they've been trained to go against their instinct and find where the shot came from. I guarantee if I'm walking down the street and I hear shots, I'm on the pavement. I'm laying flat. No bullet going to get me because it's shot high. And what Jesus is saying is learn to go against your instincts. Although your instincts might say retaliation, He's trying to teach us to not go with our instinct and to go with love and prayer when it comes to our enemies. Jesus said this because he knew if we didn't love our enemies, we were going to, we would hate our enemies. And he knows that hate hurts the hater the most. If you are the one who's hating, it's going to hurt you much more than it hurts the other person. If you're the one carrying around the resentment, you are the one it hurts. There was a hunter going through the woods one time, and he came upon three skeletons. There's a skeleton of a rabbit, a skeleton of an eagle, and a skeleton of a weasel. But it was just the weasel's head. And the weasel's head was clamped down on the eagle's neck. So he figured they must have got in a fight over the, the rabbit because it was dead. And they were fighting and the weasel grabbed a hold of the eagle's neck and wouldn't let go. So the eagle started eating the weasel and it ate it all the way down to its head to where nothing was left but its head clamped to the eagle. And both of them were dead. What are you holding on to in your life? That someone's done to you or said to you in the past that you just refuse to let go of. That that you just can't imagine letting them go. You just can't imagine forgiveness. Maybe, Maybe you've been hurt deeply and you just can't let it go. You know, sometimes you're watching the news, you'll see people who have been hurt 
who have been, something tragic happened to their families, and they'll grit their teeth and they'll say, I'll never forgive them. I'll never forget. I'll remember this till the day I die, and I will not forgive what they did. And I think, oh, your life is not going to be what it was meant to be. Because you're holding on to that resentment, that poison, that poisons you. I read this this week. It's the top five reasons you love your enemies. Number five, it saves you money on mean text messages. Number four, if they randomly die, you won't be considered a suspect. Number three, you can go back out in public again since you were afraid of running into them before. Number two, it turns your evil plot to dispose of them in the woods into a fun game of capture the flag with your friends. And the number one reason to love your enemies, since you're married to him, you might as well make the best of it. (laughs) Hate and anger affects the other person much more than it affects you. Author Frederick Beekner says this about anger. Of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor the last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you're giving back, in many ways is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are wolfing down is actually yourself, and the skeleton at the feast is you. Now, you might hear that and think, but you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand how bad I was hurt. You don't understand how difficult life is for me because of the actions of this other person. And all of that is true and is as, as wrong as you may have been treated. You can release that anger, release that resentment, and not hold it inside against that person because it only affects you. Forgiveness never makes what someone did okay. It just releases you from having to carry around the hurt and the resentment, and it frees you up to live the life that you were meant to live. So no matter who started it, no matter whose fault it is, when animosity calls the shots in our lives, the skeleton is us. And Jesus is watching out for us here because he knows that resentment and anger is like an acid drip onto our souls. And we run the tapes and rehearse over and over. Did you ever rehearse what you would say if you got to tell somebody off? Y'all never did that? You ever drive along in the car and think, well, if I ever had the chance, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her have it. I'm going to let him have it. And here's how I'm going to, I'm going to use words with such eloquence. They're going to crawl away wishing they'd never met me. And then you see him and you're just, hi, hello. And you, you walk on by and you don't say anything. But we all rehearse that and run those tapes over and over and over in our minds. And when I harbor a hurt, when I rehearse it over and over, in the end, I end up becoming the eagle or the weasel, but either way, I'm dead. Jesus also knows that when we practice love, it's the only thing that doesn't make things worse. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, Love is the only thing that can turn an enemy into a friend. 
And he said that while being oppressed, while being mistreated, while having death threats on his life, all because of the color of his skin. And he was able to say, I can turn my enemies into my friends through love. And when we look at a world that's filled with war and filled with people spewing venom at each other, you think, how are they going to ever love each other? How am I going to ever love the people who don't like me? How does that work? What Jesus is trying to tell these people that he's talking to on this mountainside is he's trying to remind them, first of all, who is your neighbor? Because they think their neighbor is just the people like them. And don't we often think that too? My neighbor is just the people like me who look like me, talk like me, make about the same amount of money I do, uh, take a bath regularly like I do. I mean, that's, that's my neighbor. And he's trying to remind them and challenge them It's easy to love people like that. But I'm telling you, love the people who are really hard to love. Love the people who don't deserve love because that's what he does. When I love my enemies, Jesus says this in verse 45. He says, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives us sunlight both to the evil and and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. What? You mean God blesses people who are evil? Yep, he sure does. Because God makes no difference. He loves everybody. And he's saying, you love everybody, and it will always solve a problem. Albert Einstein said, The world is evil not because of what evil people do, but because of the good that good people don't do. Another reason Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for people who persecute you, is because he knows what I can become. He knows what you can become. He knows the life that you were meant to live. And if you thought it was impossible to love and pray for people who mean to do you harm, you're going to think the next thing Jesus said is absolutely, completely, and totally impossible. Because listen what he tells these people. In verse 48, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. At this point, if I'm listening, I'm thinking, I'm out. (laughs) I'm not going to make it. I can't do it because I'm not perfect. I know lots of people who think they're perfect. But how can a person achieve perfection? Is Jesus asking for the impossible? It seems impossible to love people who don't love you and mean to do you harm. It seems even more impossible to pray for them. But to be perfect like God is perfect? Oh, man, how in the world is that ever going to happen? You probably have heard me said, and if you haven't, you'll hear me heard me say, and you'll probably hear me say it again, if you are perfect, you have stumbled into the wrong church. I mean, don't join because you'll mess up what we've got going on because this is a place full of imperfect people. But here's Jesus saying, no, 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 no. I want you to be perfect. Jesus is not saying here, I want you to be without fault. That's what it looks like he's saying is be without fault. Don't make any mistakes. The word Jesus uses in the original language of the New Testament, Greek, 
is teleos, and it means to bring to completion. It doesn't mean to be without fault, but bring to, it's where we get our word telescope. Scopos meaning to see, and, and, and telos meaning what your neighbors are doing. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. It sounds so much better when I say these driving up here in my car. Teleos means to bring to completion. And he's not saying be without fault. He's saying let your life be complete. God, God can make you complete. If you're not loving the people who mean to do you harm, if you're not praying for your enemies, your life is incomplete. In 1960, six-year-old Ruby Bridges walked into William France Elementary School as the first black child ever to attend that school. And she walked in with National Guardsmen guarding her from people who were spitting on her, from people who were yelling racial slurs. And in spite of all those ignorant people lying on the walk as she tried to go to school for the first, to be the first black person ever to attend that school, in spite of that, she kept going. And every day she would show back up and they would be there and they would be yelling and screaming and spitting and she would still walk up those steps. And she struck up a friendship with her teacher. And her teacher every day would watch her walk down that walk and up those steps. And one day her teacher noticed that she was saying something, that her lips were moving as she walked. And her teacher's thinking, well, you know, she's just telling them she hates them too and she hopes they, you know, whatever. And, and so later she said, Ruby, what were you saying today as you came up the steps? And she said, I, I, I was praying. I wasn't saying anything to those people. I was praying to God because I got up late today and I didn't get to say my prayers. And she said, what were you praying? And she said, I was just praying what Jesus prayed on the cross, that God would forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. It's no wonder Jesus said to act like a little child. Because Ruby could have done that a completely different way. She could have thought, how mean and how awful for all you people to do that to me. How could you, I'm just a little girl. And how could you treat me like that because of the color of my skin? She could have chosen to live up a mean, spirited, bitter person. But she didn't. Because she practiced exactly what Jesus said to do. And those people, as evil as they were, as as wrong as what they were doing was, they didn't have any control over her. Because she had her faith and trust in God. And she knew if I love them, it'll never have power over me. But if I don't, it'll always control me. Jesus knows that I'm going to be incomplete until I get this. So don't let that acid drip of anger and hatefulness and resentment continue to drip onto your heart. Because it's not the way... You were meant to live. The boss may have mistreated you. The ex may have been unfaithful. You may have gotten dumped, left, lied to, even physically mistreated. And although there is a time and a place when relationships have to end and when you have to get out of an unsafe situation, that doesn't mean that you have to hate the person. That doesn't mean you have to have resentment. It means you can release them into whatever their life is. And you can love them and pray for them. In this statement, Jesus is calling us 
to go against our natural instinct to retaliate and to hate and to resent. And he's saying, instead, love them. There is not a problem on the face of the earth that would not be solved if you applied this verse to it. Not one relationship problem, not one international problem that would not be solved if everybody would just apply this. When we begin to apply this, we can get out of the cycles of hate and resentment and go towards that teleos, that complete life that Jesus calls us all to be a part of. May we hear this teaching of Jesus, this hard teaching, and apply it to our lives because when we do, it can change us. I need that in my life, and I bet you do too. Let's pray. God, this hard teaching of Jesus to love people who mean uh, to do us harm is difficult. It's not an easy thing to do, but you give us the power. You desire for us to be complete and to live a life not where we're burdened with hatred and resentment and bitterness, but live a life of freedom where we can look at the people who are our enemies and pray for them and love them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.